Loved, cherished, comforted. Welcome to the podcast ministry of Our Resolute Hope, where you will find grace, not just a concept or a doctrine of grace, but a person, a person whose name is Jesus, a person who brings hope, a determined, resolute hope that can sustain you and empower you to live courageously in this fallen world. Join us now as we learn more about Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our life. Hello again, friends, and welcome one more time to the Our Resolute Hope podcast. This is your host, John Russin, and I'm here with my dear friend, Pastor Frank Friedman, diving one more week into our series called The Power of Story, in which we look much more closely into the lives of believers, their relationship with the Savior, and how they came to know him, not only as their Savior and their Lord, but as their very life. And we have today a very special guest, a young lady named Blake Guiche. She is a member at Grace Life Fellowship, but most importantly, she is the president and grand poobah and illustrious potentate <laughs> of the Confessions of a Crappy Christian, a leading podcast. And so uh, welcome, Blake. Thanks for coming. Frank, you know her better than I. Say a few nice words about Blake before we turn the mic over to her. Well, to be honest with you, when I think of Blake, I, I need to have more than a few nice words. John, you know, the heartbeat, I think, of any Bible teacher is the words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy 2. The context of that letter is so important because he's about to leave this world. And we are all part of a work, a movement, a kingdom, of course, that is bigger than us, has been going on long before we ever got here, and needs to continue long after we're gone. And the only way that's going to happen is if we are able to pour into people who will then pour into other people. And that's what warms my heart when I think of Blake. She is a receiver of life from the Lord Jesus Christ. And then she is doing everything within her power to then release that life unto others. And it's just such a joy to have her join us. So, John, I think you're going to be blessed as you listen to her, and I believe our listeners will as well. Well, welcome. Thanks, Frank. Blake, tell us a little bit about yourself, and especially how on earth did you ever come up with that name for your podcast? <laughs> well, first of all, I'm overwhelmed and honored to be here, uh, to get to have a conversation with one of the teachers who has greatly impacted my life and my walk, and therefore my ministry is pretty cool. But uh, yes, I am Blake. I'm a member of Grace Life Fellowship. I'm also the host of Confessions of a Crappy Christian, like you said. And the title kind of it was a twofold decision. So I had decided to step into the podcasting space in late 2018. When I came to the female, specifically female Christian podcasting space, I was just always left wanting. The conversations just felt really light and fluffy and surface level. And some of that has changed in the last two years. And there are thankfully a lot more women having a lot more honest and authentic conversations. But at the time that was just not really as prevalent. And so part of the decision to, to name it the way that it was, the name kind of just fell in my lap. To be honest, it was one of those things I just kind of thought of and was like, yeah, okay. And 
my hope was, and I say this actually in the trailer of the podcast, was that the, the show wouldn't just be for middle-aged suburban Christian moms, that it would reach more people, that it would reach people who had been wounded by the church, who had walked away from the church, who had questions about the church, who kind of had an idea of this whole Jesus thing, but just didn't necessarily feel comfortable or, or ready to really jump in that a Christian calling themselves anything less than I've got it all together. And I know everything would be intriguing, kind of pull them into our orbit and therefore allow us to kind of overwhelm them with the goodness that God and Jesus really are. And that has proven successful. I mean, there are people all the time who send us emails and tell us that they listened exclusively because of the title and (laughs) that, you know, that it ended up, they ended up falling in love with the conversations that were happening. And also I just have a little bit of a background in marketing and I knew that there's something we said in shock value that it was catchy and that people, like I said, would listen to it exclusively because of the title. And that's, that's kind of proven to have been a good decision. So. Wow. Cool title. You mentioned a phrase that I think caught me. You said people who have been wounded by the church. Mm-hmm. That's not what you see. You don't see the, the first church of wounding in any city. No. And so that's not something that the church wants to be known for, but In your experience, it seems like it's pretty common. Talk a little about that, if you can, and what drove you to uh, to where you are. Maybe you can touch on some aspects of your early life, because obviously, you know about wounding at some level. Yeah, I mean, honestly, thus far, my parents are kind of those like unicorn parents where they like actually love Jesus. We weren't just Easter Christmas Christians. They we're involved in a church. They still love Jesus. They've been married 36 years. And the first church that I can ever remember going to deeply wounded my family. There was a split that happened and our family landed on one side and other people landed on the other and it was ugly and it was messy. And so that is my first real memory of the traditional institution of church. And to be honest, that has not, it's not been something that has been proven to be an anomaly over time. I was a part of a college ministry in college that was run by a just really unhealthy, probably borderline narcissistic man who didn't have a lot of respect for women and definitely didn't have a lot of respect for women who were confident and wanted to use their gifts to serve the church. And so that didn't end well. And then my husband and I were a part of a church after that, that had some problems with their theology and therefore had problems with the way that they treated people and cared for their flock. And we ended up getting really burned in that situation, kind of like this weird public shaming situation for something that didn't even actually happen the way that it did. And so between my own experiences and the experiences of people that I know and love that range from being similar to mine to maybe more innocuous, to being much more severe and traumatic, I can sometimes not really want to be considered in the rank of Christians, right? Like sometimes I'm like, mm, can we come up for a different word? Like, can I, Ooh, can, wow. I can, can we have a different word than the way that some people who believe in Jesus and proclaim his name tend to treat one another. 
and that's kind of a lot of the roots and heart of what we do is trying to look like Jesus instead of maybe sometimes the capital C Church. You know, Blake, can I speak into that? I too sense that. In fact, when I'm talking to people, I use the word believer. Yes. Are you a believer? And that tends to, you know, somebody who knows what we're talking about is going to go, yes. And somebody who's just a cultural Christian is, you know, not going to really understand that. It reminds me of a situation back in the 90s. Were, were you born then? Uh, <laughs> oh, I was. I was like five, but <laughs> yeah. <Come> on, Frank. <laughs> there was a nationally known pastor on a famous talk show host uh, show. And the born again movement, you know, was still going strong. And the talk show host said this to the pastor, what's all this talk about being born again? I'm a Christian and I'm not born again. (laughs) You know, that to me is the classic illustration of how loosely the word Christian is just tossed around so that it really doesn't have any depth of meaning anymore. Exactly. So you're right on. Yeah. So you talked about wounding, Blake, and uh, you wound up coming to Grace Life Fellowship in Baton Rouge. Mm -hmm. Now, the purpose of the podcast, of course, is not to promote that, but you saw something Mm -hmm. and uh, you stayed, you became members. And so what was it that you saw that attracted you and how was it so very different from what you'd experienced earlier in your life? Yeah, we came just a few months before our youngest was born and we knew God was leading us out of attending the church that my husband and I had been a part of for 10 years and sat in the back and it was such a, you know, it was such a God thing. Frank was talking about grace versus law, which I love. Frank always jokes about that people claim he just preaches the same sermon over and over and he's like, yeah, that's the point. (laughs) But, uh, but it was grace versus law. It was just breaking down. What is grace? What does the theology of grace really look like? What does the theology of law really look like? And the whole time I'm elbowing my husband in the ribs, just going, wait, did you know that? Wait, what? I've never read that verse like that. I mean, just blowing my mind apart. And this is for me, someone who had been a believer since my late teens, my husband had been a believer for over 15 years at that point. And we're, we're walking out of grace life and, and, we're not even through the front doors. And I look at my husband and go, I can never go anywhere else. I don't ever want to go anywhere else. I don't ever want to learn under a different theology. Like this is it. And we've, we've never, (laughs) we've never looked back. Uh, The community really embraced us. It was a really seamless kind of integration. We knew people there, which was nice. The children's ministry, you know, our kids, we had, we only had one. We were, we had another one on the way and it was important to us that our kids were being taught something different than we had been taught and, and were being loved and, and taken care of while we were being poured into ourselves. And it's literally not trying to, you know, puff anything up more than it is. It literally, I think, changed the trajectory of our lives, of our marriage, of my ministry. Uh, most of that really boils down to Jesus and Jesus leading us to Grace Life. Okay, I've got to dive in and ask this question. Uh, I'm not so concerned about inflating Pastor Frank's ego. It's certainly big enough. Uh, But if someone were to ask Frank and me questions about law versus grace, we'd give 
we give a 60 year old type answer, you know, from what mm. we've understood over the years, but you're not 60. You're much, much younger than that. And you heard something that really caught your attention and changed your mind. Can you tell us what, what did you actually hear? What were the verses? What were the thoughts? And how did they impact you so much that you said you wanted more and they wound up changing your life? For our listeners who are young, what really caught your attention and why? Yeah. I mean, you're going to put me on the spot as far as scripture references. No, I won't. I'll just ask you for ideas. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I, the concept that, and this is how simple it was. I had never heard someone explain that the cross and resurrection made us dead to the law, that, that the law was completed in that work. I'd never been taught this whole like new man, old man, new heart, old heart, still very much functioned under the depraved. We still have a depraved heart, even though the New Testament is very clear that Jesus has given us a new one. Just a lot more shame based and that impacts your motivation, right? If, if I'm functioning in, in a life with Christ out of guilt, out of, I'm never going to be able to do enough, be enough. I'm always going to mess it up. And therefore always going to be just asking for forgiveness versus being told you already have everything that you need. Once you're in Christ, he has given you this power of, of power and love and, and self-control and empowers your efforts to walk forward into that it's like shackles falling off it's like a ton being taken off of your shoulders that wait I don't have you know I I will never forget I don't know if it was in the same sermon but I will never forget Frank saying the the goal of the Christian life is not to stop sinning and I I remember just being like wait it's are you is he sure is he allowed (laughs) (laughs) does he know what he just said? Because that is a lot of the theology that's still being taught is that the whole goal is to stop messing it up. And so people are just living in bondage or living under the weight and, and burden of theology and doctrine, which are important things, but just aren't meant to be oppressive versus the freedom that comes when you actually understand what Jesus accomplished on the cross and how that impacts how you continue to walk forward. You know, Blake, it's interesting, but you're hitting on something so important. You know, the lie of the garden was we shall be like God. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think people read that intensely. We are all trying to be like God without the resources. And that's going to wear us out. (laughs) Either that or we we wear a mask and live in an illusion. And it's crazy. But that's what I think happens to a lot of people. In fact, I I had a dealing last week with somebody and I, I confronted them with the fact that they had a God complex and they got mad at me. And I was trying to explain, well, do you feel like you have to be strong? Do you feel like you have to be in control? Do you feel like you have to have all the right answers? And, you know, they look at you and go, well, yeah, and I, well, that's a God complex. <laughs> but it, and the other thing that I think is so fascinating, Blake, is, you know, when Adam ate from that tree, God told him not to. Mm-hmm. So we were never supposed to even know what was right and wrong. Mm-hmm. 
We were just supposed to know God. And that was enough. And now when we tell people God is enough, they say, no, it's not. We got to have that law. And it's mind boggling how little people are thinking biblically. Absolutely. And I got to, I don't know if I'm sure you do remember this. I got to have a, a conversation with you after church one Sunday where I like to joke online that I, I just kind of make everybody mad because I am too conservative for progressives and too progressive for conservatives. And so try to walk this line that grace life walks so well between the weight of the law and the perversion of grace. And it just kind of makes everybody mad. And I think I, you know, I learned that from you, that that's what grace does. That's what real grace does is exposes everybody for whatever complex they're carrying and in in an attempt and a hope to set them free of. Right. Well, that's the pattern of our Savior. There weren't too many people who were happy with him, except those who desperately needed him. I think that was uh, really key. If you think you got it all together, you got no need for a Savior. Right. Absolutely. You know, Blake, one of the projects that uh, Frank and I are working on is uh, we're working through the book of Galatians, and that'll be a product that'll be coming out fairly soon, I hope. But you mentioned the idea of uh, sin management, that the mm-hmm. Christian life is really focused on, on stopping sinning. And one of the things that I was thinking about, uh, a way to describe this, is that uh, it's kind of like if someone is, is snapping a whip at you, the way to stop the whip is not to grab the tip. The way to stop the whip is to grab the handle. Mm-hmm. And by focusing on sin, we are spending our entire lives trying to grab the tip of the whip, and it never will work. Mm-hmm. Paul, Apostle Paul was very clear. He said, when you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So basically, that's a promise from our father, that when you walk in his spirit, you don't have to be concerned about sin. Because you're, you're not going to sin. Now, I wish we always walked in the spirit, like Pastor Frank. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't. But boy, when I do, I can really tell the difference. My mindset focuses on him. There's not a focus on sin. Uh, if I do blow it, I say, Father, thank you that I'm forgiven. I know better, sir. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I'm trusting you to show me how to do that better next time. And it's so incredibly freeing. Uh, And so how does that message resonate among the younger people to whom you minister? Um, (laughs) Depends on who you ask. Uh, Most people, I think a a majority of the responses that I get DMS and, and emails and things like that are reminiscent of the experience that I had the first time that I went to grace life of, whoa, 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 whoa. What? I've been living under, you know, under the, the fear of this whip that you're talking about for how long. And this is what Jesus actually came to accomplish. And, um, you know, it's a great honor and gift to get to be a part of setting people free the way that these teachings have done for me. Um, and then the other side is that it makes people really angry and they really don't like it. I, I joke that the most visceral, viscerally negative uh, feedback or public 
examination comes from fellow Christians, which I think is a problem, but that's a whole different podcast episode. (laughs) But, um, I've, I just recently kind of dove into this idea that stopping sinning is not the point of the Christian life and the, the kind of the more like legalistic sect of Christian quote unquote influencers. One of her, one of the responses was this saying that stopping sinning isn't the point is like spitting on the cross. Um, I get a lot of pushback. They, because I think anytime you threaten or question something that someone is holding and clinging on to that isn't Jesus, they're going to get angry and it's going to kind of rattle them a little bit. And typically when people are rattled, they have something to say about it. And so, yeah, it's very, I feel like it's very polarized responses. It's either life-changing or just really angry. Yeah, that sounds familiar, (laughs) Frank, doesn't it? Absolutely. Uh, You know, the religious community, when you look at the Gospels, they didn't like what Jesus said because it was undermining what they were doing and they liked to boast in what they were doing. But the people who were needy, who were hurting, who were empty, who were under guilt and shame just leapt for joy at that message. And it's just so sad that it's the religious people who are the ones who are going to come against us. But you know, what's amazing. They're coming against Jesus and and that's what i just don't understand i want i want to tell people why would you want a code of conduct when you can have the person of god it makes no sense to my brain i i, I think of john 1 you know where john said the law came through moses but grace and truth through jesus and i want to ask people well then who do you want to be a disciple of Do you want to be a disciple of Moses or do you want to be a disciple of Jesus? Mm -hmm. And it's amazing to me how many people say Moses. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not with their voice, but certainly with their actions and their choices. Mm -hmm. Certainly. Blake, I've got to explore a line that you laid out before, if I may. You said that you already had a child and another one on the way when you and your husband first heard the message of, of freedom from law and of Christ as your life. You left, you said, you left the church talking about this. And so what were the first impacts you saw as a young mom, as a fairly young bride? How did this message change your parenting, change your relationship with your husband, change your relationship with your family? Yeah, I think anytime you're hyper-focused on behavior or actions, that, that doesn't just stay within the confines of your own mind. It's, it's got to spill out and start tainting and jading the way that you look at other people and the way that you interact with them and love them. And uh, that was kind of, I, I wouldn't say it was some like immediate shift, but that has done a real 180 in our lives is being, you know, the grace, when, when you understand the grace that has been extended to you you naturally want to extend it to the people around you. And so I think there's less, why are you the way you are? And more like, I see you though. I'm, I'm going to do the best to see you the way that Jesus sees you and love you the way that Jesus loved me and therefore loves you. 
And that changes the way that you mother. Because I think any mom, especially, I mean, I think of any age kid, if they're being honest, fairly often looks at their kids and says, why are you the way you are? Why do you do the things that you, I just, what the heck, you know? And that's not to say that I don't ever feel that way about my four and six year olds, (laughs) but I think grace breeds compassion and compassion allows us to live in real relationship with one another. And so that's just been a real impact. And that's just, that's just the, the theology shift that we've seen in our family unit, that unit, that's not even talking about the fact that we've come to marriage counseling under pastors at Grace Life. Girls have been dedicated to a life of Christ at Grace Life and that our family can come and have fun and learn and and show up together. And, you know, it's kind of all encompassing. Right. Your podcast ministry is just one aspect of your ministry because, of course, you minister to your family, your friends, uh, your uh, your distant family, your parents, your cousins. And so, it's as you said, it's hard not to let grace breed compassion and cultivate relationship with almost everyone. Mm-hmm. And so, how has this really impacted your more extended family? Well, so funny story. Part of the reason we came to Grace Life in the first place is that my dad went to a men's retreat that Frank spoke at 30 years ago and has been donating to Grace Life ministry ever since then. And they would come up every once in a while and we would be going to church at the church that we went to and they would go to Grace Life and then we would meet (laughs) up for lunch after And so we went to multiple churches when we knew we wanted to leave the church we were at. And my parents were like, well, what about Grace Life? What about Grace Life? What about Grace Life? And so now actually this month, my parents are moving to Baton Rouge, which is so exciting. They've lived about an hour and 45 minutes away forever. And so one of the things that they're really excited about is being able to come to Grace Life all the time. And we're really looking forward to you know, having them there, but, but as far as the, the further reaching, I think it's the same as with your family unit, if not increased because like, yeah, the people that you live really intimately with need grace and they need compassion. And they're the people that you're kind of constantly rubbing up against, but the people that are a little bit maybe further removed, at least in our case, uh, multiple of our family units are just relatively unhealthy. And I look back to how we navigated that pre-grace theology and post. And I think the biggest thing is that before, I think we took a lot of stuff on as being about us or our problem that now retrospectively God was like that. I I don't, I don't need you to carry that. I don't need you to, to be identified by that or be defined by that. Like I am what identifies you. I am what defines you. And like, let me help you walk through these difficult familial situations. Mm -hmm. I feel impressed to ask a little more specific question Okay. Uh, without going into a whole lot of detail. 
names and specific identifying circumstances. Can you describe one, oh, for lack of a better phrase, an unhealthy dynamic that you had that you formally walked in in a certain way and when you began to understand grace and how it works in your life, that you began to manage that differently. Can you share a little more detail uh, that might help some of our younger parent listeners who are navigating something similar? Yeah. I mean, we have one family member that is just toxic. I mean, it's not, this person isn't just a difficult person. They're not just difficult to love. They are toxic. Uh, They have tried to bring harm to our family. And I, I think one or both of us, my husband and I at separate times felt defined by this person's actions and the way that they treated us. I think that when you're not firmly rooted in an understanding of your identity and what God believes about you and what he's done in you, that those things are swayable. (laughs) And because of that, we kind of stayed in this situation and in this season that, you know, I looking back now, God was trying to draw us out of, I think there's also the aspect of trying to fix someone And that doesn't mean that you're not there for people. That doesn't mean that you don't stick through difficult seasons and bear one another's burdens. But I do think that when you understand what God has accomplished for you, first of all, like we were talking about, you see them differently. You see them through this lens of Jesus and and you can extend grace, right? So you're taking this beating from a person and you can say simultaneously, what you say about me doesn't define me, but also the way that you're treating me doesn't define you either. And so we've been able to, you know, there have been seasons where we've had to cut off contact with this person entirely and felt supported, actually like sat down with leaders at Grace Life and and asked if that was the best thing, like what we needed to do to protect our family and our young kids and felt supported in that decision, but also have, have been able to kind of tread into what is loving someone that is living their life like that kind of always on the offensive and just making incredibly damaging decisions. What does loving someone like that look like in light of knowing the way that I have been loved? Wow. Frank, I'm going to ask you to comment on this specific aspect, but uh, it's really true that when Christ made us free, he didn't, only free us from the bonds of the law and performance. He freed us from being tied to these relationships, from from having our identity defined by the attitudes and accusations of other people. Wouldn't you say that that's uh, that's the case as you've seen as a pastor over the years? You know, John, absolutely. And uh, it's, it's wonderful, Blake, to hear you addressing this. You know, again, I'll go back to the garden. I'm always going back to the garden. You know, we keep hearing Jesus is the answer. Well, what's the question? And part of that question is we shall be like God. And I think a lot of us as Christians not only live under that bondage of having to try to be like God without the resources, but that includes the relationship to other people. And we feel like we've got to be their Messiah. And that's not my job. My job isn't to fix anybody. My job is to lead them to the face of the one who alone can fix them. My job is not to tolerate 
all their sin against me. That, you know, that's just not my job. And so it's wonderful to be freed from those people. We had the same type of thing in our family, Blake. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we finally had to just tell this person, we're going to have to separate from you. And it was very difficult, but it's the right thing. They were toxic and love was not letting them continue to do this behavior. And love was holding them accountable. And, you know, and and it's such a freeing thing. But I'll tell you what, we felt guilty about doing it. (laughs) You know, those feelings don't line up with truth sometimes. But, you know, I have people, as you do, Blake, who uh, don't get it. They think we're false teachers. They think we're perverting scripture. And what I do is when I'm being charged like that, I look at them, I listen, but in my mind, this is what I'm doing. I'm looking at them saying, you do not determine my value. Mm -hmm. You do not determine who I am. And that frees me from giving them the power over me that nobody was ever intended to have but God. And then that enables me to enter into discussion with them without this bondage to them. Does that click? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it certainly does. And it gives an entirely new dynamic to Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ set us free, not only from the law, but from everything that binds us, including some of our more loving and traditional family members, if they, <laughs> if they continue to beat us up. Well, Blake, our time is about gone. Things have really flown. <laughs> If you're interested, I'd love to invite you back and explore in greater detail some of the aspects of the crappy Christian. Okay, we'll set that up. Then I'm going to finish right now with our standard end of the line question. And that is, if you had one supreme revelation that you'd like our listeners to know, what would it be? Take as Mm -hmm. much time as you think Father wants you to take. I think the thing that is the the overarching realization that he continues to show me and has to remind me of is that his kids can be a really great reflection of him and they can be really terrible reflections of him and that if you're going to other people whether that's online or in real life to encounter Jesus and his word exclusively you're kind of always going to come up short and that there is, there is no comparison to experiencing Christ in your own way, whatever way that looks like and digging into his word and knowing what he says about things, not what other people say he says about things and removing this belief that, that Christians have the corner market on what Jesus looked like, that, Jesus is what Jesus looked like. And we are all, hopefully, most of us doing our best to look like that. But I just see a lot of people thinking Jesus is someone based off of their experience with another human. And I just want to see more believers knowing who Jesus is from their own experience with him. Wow. What's a great word. Thank you so much for that. And friends, we're going to sign off now. But Frank, any last words before we uh, disappear for now and come back again next time? Yes, I do. 
Blake, absolutely, I remember that conversation with you after church that day. I don't know if you were there, but, you know, I did Second Timothy not long ago. Oh, yeah, we were there. And, oh, boy, that was a passionate, passionate letter it, because it parallels my own journey. And, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. I am in process of passing on the baton. And, you know, when I could very much relate to what Paul was saying. And in my heart of hearts, Blake, you, you have these thoughts. Did I make an impact? Are there people that have heard? Are there people that now know Jesus in a way they never knew him before? Mm -hmm. And are these people going to carry the torch? And, you know, you can't help but as an older man, one older woman, wonder if you made a difference. And that day when you came up, you answered a lot of that in my heart. And I went home from that conversation, sweet girl, rejoicing at the work that the Holy Spirit has done in you. And I was just so excited that, you know, long after I'm gone, there's going to be Blake. <laughs> you know, at least if those goes with the normal script. And she's going to be carrying that torch and bringing life to anybody who has ears to hear. And yeah, I'll never forget that conversation. You made my day. Mm, wow. Thank you. Wow. Thanks to both of you for joining us and listeners. Thanks one more time for uh, listening in to the Our Resolute Hope podcast. Please don't let your interaction with us stop here. Uh, check us out at OurResoluteHope.com, our webpage. You'll find lots of information there. Follow us on our various social media channels. And as always, Choose hope. Choose Jesus. Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today. And you know that no matter what you're facing, He offers you Himself, His own life. He wants to live His life with you, in you, and through you as you trust Him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to Our Resolute Hope Podcast. For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.